the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. WTBN Pinellas Park. Up next is Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. See, the most important aspect of faith, now watch this, the most important aspect of faith is not faith. It is the object of your faith. Believe me, I struggled with this for years. I I wanted to have more faith, so I tried to muster up faith. That's not what you do. It's not faith in faith. It's faith in God. The strength of your faith is only as strong as the object of your faith. Therefore, the way to deepen your faith is to know and embrace the truth that God is among many character traits, sovereign and wise and loving and compassionate and holy. The more you know someone who is absolutely trustworthy and the more you know about them, the easier it is to trust them. Of course, there is only one person in the universe who is totally trustworthy, and that's God. The more we know about Him and the more opportunities we give Him to show His faithfulness, the more faith we will have in Him. But the key is that it is faith in God. Today on Verse by Verse, we will continue our study of the shield of faith. It's described in Ephesians chapter 6. Pastor teacher Steve Kreloff has some verses and some thoughts to share that will help us cultivate faith in the Lord. Pastor Steve is the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. He has been serving there since 1981, and now we at Verse by Verse Ministries have the privilege of adapting his messages to radio. The dictionary says that faith is a noun, but biblical faith involves action. Fire is a noun, but it produces action. It might boil water, heat a room, or burn a forest, but action is involved. Faith also produces results. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 says that faith is the assurance of things not seen. It's like buying something because you know you have some money coming to you. You take action based on a promise. Here is Pastor Steve with more about the shield of faith. Faith is living in a hope so real that you actually base your life upon it. You do something. There's activity. There's an assurance to the point that you base your life upon God's promises. In other words, faith is being sure and certain of what God has said. Not simply in an intellectual way, although it involves that. You obviously first have to have intellectual assent, but it actually does something. If this is true, then I will do this. That's what faith, faith is. And that's very crucial to understand because, as I said, there are many, even believers, who have just very faulty views about practical faith. What this tells us is that our faith must always, and note this, always be based upon the objective word of God. It is not a blind leap in the dark. It is not some vague and, and nebulous wishful thinking. Well, I, I believe you're going to be healed. Well, why do you believe that? I just believe it, and, and I'm going to convince myself of it. That's not faith. That's positive thinking, but that's not faith. Faith is 
And biblical faith we're talking about is always based upon the conviction that what God says in his word is true and reliable because God always speaks the truth and he never lies. In fact, scripture says he's not even capable of lying. God who cannot lie. This is a conviction that we have. A conviction that God is always truth. This conviction, the writer goes on, writer to the Hebrews tells us, is the the second part of verse 1, is the conviction of things not seen. That's interesting. In other words, we are convinced that things we are, we are convinced of, of things that we are unable to see, that we believe they're real. Faith, remember, Paul said, is walking by, not by sight, but by trust. He said that in 2 Corinthians, you walk by faith and not by sight. We are so convinced that these things are real, even though we can't see them. Conviction of things unseen. That's why, for example, when you, when you look at Hebrews 11, you'll read such verses as verse 7 about Noah. By faith, Noah being warned by God about things not yet seen. In reverence, prepared an ark for the salvation of his household by which he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. Noah was told to build an ark because there's going to be a flood. What is a flood? He had never seen rain. We believe most likely there was some kind of canopy at that point covering the earth. And the canopy broke up and and, and it flooded. And Noah had never seen this. And yet he trusted God. He believed what he did not see. Same thing in verse 8. By faith, Abraham, when he was called, remember he lived in Ur the Chaldees in what we call today Mesopotamia, obeyed by going out to a place which he was to receive for an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. God didn't tell him initially that he was going to the land of Canaan. But Abram believed God. He believed God even though he didn't see where he was to go. And he didn't even understand it. God said it and Abraham trusted. That's, that's what faith is. Now how does this all apply to us in our battles with Satan? Let me, let me become very practical this point when satan shoots arrows at you for example in the form of someone who deeply hurts you maybe someone who's criticized you maybe someone doesn't like what you've done thinks they can do it better there's some people no matter what you do they're always negative and and critical man that's hurt you deeply the temptation is really to hate that person despise that person hold a grudge maybe punish that person as i said before by by not talking to them i'm just not going to have anything to do with them that's the temptation that's the flaming arrow We all face that. But the way you extinguish this arrow is by trusting a truth like Ephesians chapter 4, verses 31 and 32. This is the shield of faith you hold up. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. That's the shield of faith. Now, you have a choice to make. Either you're going to hate that person and criticize them back or else you're going to trust that God's word is right and you're going to hold that up and let that evil thought and temptation be extinguished. They say, but I don't want to do that. I want to hate them. I understand that. That's, that's the wickedness of our hearts. But that's why Paul says, don't do that. Take the shield of faith. I mean, if we didn't want to do that, then temptation wouldn't really be tempting, would it? Folks, this is where we're at. This is, this is the Christian life. These are the battles of life. This is what the Bible means about being a doer of the word and not a hearer only. Regardless of whether you feel it or not, do what scripture says. Eventually, your feelings will catch up to your obedience. But don't be led by your emotions. 
Let me give you another example. When Satan shoots an arrow at you in the form of those in authority over you telling you to do something you don't want to do, then the temptation is to rebel and think that your way is best. Maybe it's the elder saying, we're going to have some changes in your Sunday school class and we're moving you to the school and we're doing a, a bus shuttle and there's going to be all kinds of things. And you say, no, no, I don't like that. I don't want that. Yeah, but this is where submission to authority comes in. But that's an arrow coming at you and you may become very critical, negative. You could be gossipy. You could be telling other people that I don't like what the leadership is doing and I don't think they know what they're talking about. Or you can extinguish that flaming arrow by a passage such as 1 Peter chapter 5, beginning at verse 5, you younger men, and it certainly applies to all of us, likewise be subject to your elders, and all of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another, for God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. What's the mighty hand of God? any authority God has placed over you that he may exalt you at the proper time. You say, but I'm, I'm, I'm worried about this. I, I don't think they know what they're doing. I don't, I, I don't think that this is going to succeed. Well, verse seven says, casting all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. God knows what he's doing and he uses, he uses his authority to accomplish his will. Sometimes Satan's darts come to us in the form of thoughts that God won't provide for us. He's through with you. He once provided for you, but no longer. He really doesn't have your best interests at heart. He really doesn't care about you. You'll never have enough money to pay your bills. You'll never have a good job. You'll never, never, and it just goes on and on. And if he really loved you and cared about you, why would he let you go through this? Why would he take your spouse away? Why would he, why would he cause so much heartache in your life? How do you extinguish those flaming missiles you must choose to trust the truth of such verses for example of matthew chapter 7 verse 7 matthew chapter 7 verse 7 these wonderful words of comfort when you're when you get doubts thrown at you about god's love jesus says ask and it'll be given to you seek and you'll find knock and it will be open to you this is matthew 7 verse 7 for everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds and to him who knocks it will be opened or what man is there among you who when his son asks for a loaf will give him a stone or if he asks for a fish he'll not give him a snake will he if you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children how much more will your heavenly father give what is good to those who ask him see so you you hold up that It doesn't matter how you feel. It doesn't matter those wicked suggestions in your mind. This is the truth. This is, and this is what we trust. Or I'll paraphrase a wonderful verse like Jeremiah 29, 11. My thoughts and plans for you are good, not bad. So now that we understand that the way to victory over the devil's temptations is by trusting God's word, it would be helpful for us to understand and take this a little bit deeper. How do we cultivate faith? Every believer has faith. How do we cultivate it? The key to cultivating a life of faith is by growing, watch this, growing not just in your knowledge of the Bible, though that's true, but growing in your understanding of the character of God, his nature. The more you know about God's nature, the more you will trust him. That's, that's the key. See, the most important aspect of faith, now watch this, the most important aspect of faith is not faith. 
It is the object of your faith. Believe me, I struggled with this for years. I I wanted to have more faith, so I tried to muster up faith. That's not what you do. It's not faith in faith. It's faith in God. The strength of your faith is only as strong as the object of your faith. Therefore, the way to deepen your faith is to know and embrace the truth that God is, among many character traits, sovereign and wise and loving and compassionate and holy. Therefore, when Satan's darts come at you, you must hold up that shield of faith in the God who can be trusted. It's really how well do you know God? How well do you know his character? This is precisely, and I think very interestingly enough, what God urged in Abraham's life. You know, Abraham, of all the characters in the Bible, is called the man of faith. And yet there were times in Abraham's life he was not very faithful. He was doubting. I'd like you to look at Genesis 15 for a moment. In Genesis 15, I think this is helpful. Genesis 15, we read these words. After these things, and I'll explain this is verse 1, Genesis 15, 1. I'll explain what these things were in a moment. The word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision saying, do not fear, Abram. I am a shield to you. Your reward shall be very great. What an interesting statement. Abraham was afraid. The great man of faith was afraid. Now, the Bible doesn't say that Satan tempted him to be afraid, but the rest of scripture reveals that that's exactly where it came from. Satan tempted him to be fearful. Why? Well, notice it says after these things. So what things are we talking about? Well, in chapter 14, there's a story of Abraham uh, being in battles, a, a battle, and uh, really warfare with four pagan kings, four pagan kings who Abraham defeated. And it was when Abraham was tired after battle, battle weary, exhausted, that a doubt came to him, a fear came to him. And you know what I think that fear was? Now, I trust that I'm not uh, reading into this. I think in context, this is, this is exactly the fear. The fear that, that Satan attacked Abraham with. Abraham, you've just defeated these four kings. They are really upset. They're going to come back and retaliate. They're going to kill you. You're going to die. And you know what? All the promises that God gave you of a son and a great nation and many descendants, that's not happening. You're a dead man. You're going to die a disillusioned man. God will not keep his word in your life. I think that's exactly what Abraham was going through. It wasn't the fear of death so much. It was the fear of dying without an heir to inherit all of God's promises. And I say that because just a a little bit later, notice verse 2, Abraham said, O Lord, O God, what will you give me since I am childless and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. What he's saying is, Eliezer, my, my servant, is going to be the heir because you have not given me another heir. And God answers, and no, I'm going to give you a physical child. So I think that's what Abraham was afraid of. He was afraid, and Satan attacked him at a very vulnerable time in his life. And you know how God answered this? And this is the shield of faith. God said in verse 1, Do not fear, Abram. I am a shield to you. Meaning, I'm your protection. I am the one who will take care of you. I will protect you. You will not die until my appointed time for you. Trust me, I am your shield. I am your protector. You see, it always goes back to God's character. He didn't simply say, no, remember my word to you back in chapter 12. I mean, that, that would have been certainly sufficient, but he pointed, he pointed Abraham back to himself, his character. I'm your protection. 
Trust me to protect you. I'm not going to let you die without fulfilling my plan for your life. That's always the way it is. This is why, for example, Psalm 46.1 says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. It isn't that he just gives us his word. It is himself, his character behind his word. I wanna, I'm just going to illustrate this for you and paraphrase it. One of the great but unknown books in the Bible is the book of Habakkuk, or as Jack would say, Habakkuk. I think he would say it that way, yeah. He checks with our Israeli tour guide and checks up on me. Of course, the guide agrees with him, so Jack's thrilled. But I say Habakkuk. Habakkuk was a struggling prophet. And he struggled because there was so much sin going on in Israel and he was a godly man. He saw all of the defilements and disobedience to the law of Moses. And so he prayed. He prayed for God to deal in judgment. And when God's answer came, Habakkuk had a bigger problem than he started out with because God said, I am going to judge and punish Israel by a wicked people, by a pagan empire. And now Habakkuk had a bigger problem. Because, Lord, I know we're wicked, but they're more wicked. How could you let them get away with it and us you're going to punish? Now, God will go on to say that he will punish them as well. But in the midst of his struggle, and I think this is just a wonderful truth, Habakkuk 1, verses 12 and 13, reveals to us that Habakkuk stopped. Now, he's confused. He doesn't have an answer. But you know what he does? He rehearses two character qualities about God. He says, I know that you are eternal, and I know that you're holy. What a great truth. You know what he's saying? He's saying, I may not understand what's going on, but I will focus on what I do understand about you. And I know that you make no mistakes. I know that you're holy. I know that you're everlasting. You've been from before time began, and you'll be... uh, Going on forever and ever after, we conclude what's called time. You've seen it all, and you never make a mistake. You're holy. I think that's a wonderful truth, and and how that applies to us is this. When you're going through a very difficult time in your life, and you don't understand what God is doing, don't focus on what you don't understand. Hang on to what you do understand about God. Focus not on your doubts, in other words. Focus on what you know about God. And I think that's a great, great truth. But that's what Habakkuk teaches us. The focus is on the character of God that we do know and we do understand. Though he was still confused, he affirmed what he knew for sure about God's character. See, that's the way to put out the horrible darts from Satan. It's faith. And the key to faith is a growing understanding and trust in God's character. How do you do that? Folks, when you read the Bible, read beyond the stories. Read beyond the stories. The stories are important, but the stories are there to teach us about God, about his character, his justice, his holiness, his love, his compassion, his sovereignty. I'm not saying that there are veiled messages there, but the stories are not simply stories. Look for insights into God's character, the way he dealt with people. What does he reveal about himself in his word? And then you apply those truths to your life. And I might add this, be careful about what books you're reading. It's a dangerous thing to go in a Christian bookstore because Christian bookstores will not exist if they don't make money. And if they don't make money, they they close up shops. So they put on the market what people will buy. And, And most people are very undiscerning. That's why we have a book ministry. We don't make any profit. We don't want to make a profit. We're there to help you. So I would encourage you, read books that deal with God's character. Some, some great authors are Jerry Bridges, who's written some wonderful books. I think the book Trusting God is a classic, and I've said that 
before. I think books by John Piper are just excellent. He deals with the character of God, the glory and majesty of God. Books by John MacArthur and other authors that we have, they focus on God's character. Don't, don't read a lot of self-help books. Ironically, they won't help you. But books on the character of God, that's what helps. Let's bow for prayer. On a message concerning faith, I would be remiss if I didn't ask this question. Have you ever put your faith in Christ for salvation? Some people think they have, but yet they haven't. Scripture is most clear, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. When Jesus, just before he died, he said, it is finished, which means the debt is paid. The debt is paid. You can't add to it. You can only trust in it. So I urge you to trust him. If you've never trusted Christ for salvation, then I invite you to do that. And if we can be of help, then I urge you to come up after the service closes and one of our elders will be here at the front. Be happy to help you. But for those of us who know Christ, I ask you, will you commit yourself to growing in your knowledge of of God? Not just having a mechanical quiet time, but in your quiet time, grow in the grace and in the knowledge of God of Christ. Look for him in his book and then apply those great truths to your life. If God, if you read that God is sovereign, begin to thank him for his sovereignty in the area of your difficult job, maybe your difficult school situation, your finances, your trials. God is sovereign. I mean, that's how you apply this. So you have an illness now. You're facing a family crisis. God is still sovereign. And you thank him for that. And you know that all things will work together for good. And you praise him. And you say with Habakkuk, I don't understand all that's going on, but I know that God is sovereign, loving, and wise. That's, that's the shield of faith. I urge you to do that. Father, thank you for this uh, Just one sentence in the Bible, but it opens up so much to us. Lord, so much of our defeat comes because we don't believe our beliefs. Help us to be men and women of the book who not only know about the book from a doctrinal standpoint, but who each day apply the word to their lives. Lord, I pray this is a liberating truth for us. I realize that uh, this takes discipline, but I know your grace is sufficient. And I pray that uh, it's so easy for each of us to hear this and never, never really implement it in our lives. We can walk out of here, Lord, go to lunch and have a conflict with somebody as if we never even sat under the word. Help us, I pray, to hide your word in our hearts and thus, as the psalmist said, not sin against you. We pray this in your precious name. Amen. Amen. If you are a Christ follower, I urge you to never doubt in the darkness what God has told you in the light. And if you have never trusted Christ as your Savior and King, make today the first day of a new life of faith by surrendering to Him right now. Read the Bible, do what it says, and you will see that the Lord is true to His Word. What a joy to have you in class with us today. Verse by Verse is a daily Bible class of the air led by Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff. Pastor Steve has been the teaching pastor for over 26 years at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. His messages come to you through this great radio station and the work of Verse by Verse Ministries. We are a faith ministry 
supported by the prayers and gifts of interested listeners who are first faithful to their own churches. Today's class can be heard again at our website, versebyverseradio.org. You'll also find previous broadcasts on the archives page. That's versebyverseradio.org. This lesson on the shield of faith from Ephesians chapter 6 was the conclusion of a three-part message. If you would like to hear the whole message at once, you can order a CD or cassette by calling us at 727-441-1714. Leave your name and a number, and we will return your call during weekday office hours. That number again is 727-441-1714. There is a story about a construction crew in Alaska that could not get a piece of equipment fixed because it was too cold to work. They would try for a few minutes and then become discouraged and go inside to warm up. Finally, they hired a consultant who worked on it in the cold until it was fixed. They asked him, didn't you get cold? Oh, sure, he said. But you didn't pay me to stay warm. You paid me to fix the machine. How do we defend ourselves against discouragement? Join us for the next verse by verse as we begin to consider the helmet of salvation. You've been listening to Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. This program was pre-recorded. To learn more, including how to donate to this ministry, visit versebyverseradio.org. That's verse. We are here to give you strength between. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.